0: listening to In the Booth, a politics podcast from the Frederick News Post. My name is Jack Hogan, and I cover county and state politics. In the weeks leading up to the November 8th general election, we've been interviewing candidates for Frederick County Executive and the Frederick County Council to help voters get to know the candidates they'll be voting for. Today's guest is Mason Carter, who graduated from Walkersville High School in May and is the Republican nominee in the race for the District 5 seat on the Frederick County Council. District 5 covers the northern part of Frederick County. Previous version of this podcast incorrectly stated the region of the county that District 5 covers. Carter's opponent on the Democratic side is Juliana Lovkin, a self-employed homeschool teacher, caterer, and blacksmith. Mason, welcome to the newsroom at In the Booth.
1: Oh, thank you. Uh, so can you tell me why Why did you decide to run for county council? Yeah, so my, 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 my biggest goal in life is to be a father, right? And although I'm young, I can welcome my own child in this world in five to six years. And I I took a good look at where we are as a county. As it stands, I would not really be comfortable bringing a child into this county. We need to to improve our economy. We need to protect our community. We need to strengthen our schools. And once we're able to do that, I think then Frederick County becomes a much better uh, place for families.
0: What do you feel is the most important issue in the county council race?
1: Yeah, um, I think that being able for people... To live in our county, right, and that's, um, I, I can't reduce it to one issue, um, but making sure our economy works for all families, all people, of all statuses, and, and working working that, again, with our police officers, strengthening our, strengthening our schools, uh, protecting our community, um, it all comes into one. That, that's what that's what we've heard on the campaign trail, going door to door, making our making our phone calls, doing our text campaigns. People are very very concerned. But the direction of our county.
0: And can you explain explain that a little bit? What have have been hearing from people, what are their uh, biggest concerns? I mean, we, we go to we go to doors,
1: and they're asking me, please, don't be another one of those 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 tax and spend uh, um, legislators. Whether you're a Republican or Democrat, doesn't really matter. Um, you know, just go in there and do what you say you're going to do, right? So they look at my palm card, and they see uh, about lowering our property tax, they see about stopping out of control spending. They see that I want to stand with our police officers and stand with our sheriff. They see what, why we want to reduce class sizes and improve our schools. And when they see that, um, it, it, it matches their own feelings because this whole platform was community-made. I mean, we knocked doors very, very early on, even a few weeks before I even filed. Uh, I, I walked through our communities and Walkers I walked through in Thermont. I tried to go to every single corner of our district, knocked on doors, and found out what people wanted. And that's what we put on our platform.
0: What would you say is your number one legislative priority?
1: Yeah, um, so from the very start, it's been about cutting our property tax, right, getting our property tax down. And um, of course, people then ask, okay, well, you need to cut our property tax, but then you know, there's, there's still services that we need to provide. Mm. And uh, from that point on, I just bring up the laughter curve and how we can lower taxes while increasing tax revenue. Um and so the, the tax I've been ta- talking about is property tax, of course. Mm-hmm. And um, when tax rates are increased, the attractiveness of whatever activity you're you're speaking of uh, shrinks the tax base, right? So we, we see this in home ownership, or right, new home ownership. And when property taxes are high, new ownership is reduced, which then, of course, it shrinks that tax base there.
0: Okay. Okay. And So are you saying that that makes up for – just as a little bit of background mm-hmm. for, for listeners, too, is that – um, lowering the property tax rate to the like the constant yield rate, which I right. think uh, you and some other Republican candidates have, yep. have said you want to do, mm. would have cost the county thirteen million in revenue last year, and I, mm. that number fluctuates from year to right, year. Right. But are you saying that that would make up uh, for that lost revenue, so then
1: you wouldn't have to cut services? I, I would say that um, you know the number of houses that we have in the county right now, whether we want you know quick rapid growth or we want no growth at all the number of houses that are in the county right now, it's going to change tomorrow. It's going to change next week, next month. So we're always going to have a new tax base, right? We're going to, need to have the new, um, new property to tax with our property tax. And um, when we reduce the property tax, um, homeowners are able to buy a little bit of a nicer home because they don't have that tax burden year from year from year after paying the, uh, the price for their home, which of course is ever-increasing, right? And so if we can... Um, Incentivize home uh, home ownership, whether that be for first-time buyers or second or third or fourth-time buyers, um, then we can definitely do that. And I think we we can definitely do it with with a property tax decrease.
0: Okay, okay, and this sounds like something that might take place over a
1: longer period of time, right? But the, not the, just like a this, this is not this plan. is not an overnight issue, right? And th- that that's that's with, with a lot of our our um campaigns. it's not an overnight issue, right? This this election is done by the next four years you know, we were able to elect a new county executive. Um, nearly half of the county uh, county council will not come back whether they were lost in the primary or um, like Kai and Jessica both ran for county, our county executive. Um, so Frederick County gets a chance to press the restart button. Um, so we get a new county executive, like I said before, nearly a whole new uh, county council. So this is not about the next four years. This is about shaping the future of our county. This is the next it's 40 years. And looking, uh, just bringing it back to the um,
0: your proposal to lower the property tax rate, and understanding that um, you have like a longer, uh, longer term change in mind about how this would um, influence homeowners and and incentivize home buying, but more uh, in the the short term, is there something that you think could be cut from the county's budget to make up
1: for that that lost revenue of thirteen million? Just in that, in again, in that short term. Right, right. I mean, we we first we got to look at. um, over the last two years we've had 120 million dollars in surplus right and none of that money has gone back to the people and so pretty much our, our surplus pays for the private tax decrease but also when you look at our budget and I, I've, I've looked through this over the last uh, you know year two years for the different budgets um, I mean in fiscal year 2023 164 million dollars is wrapped up into salaries right that, that's, that's a huge chunk of our of our budget 164 of nearly 800 million dollars. And then another $74 million attacked on to benefits for county employees. Um, so these are, these are things where we need to really go in there and do a comprehensive review of our county government to see uh, if there is waste to cut. And I'm sure with $164 million, there is at least a little bit of, of uh, waste to cut there. And I also, also want to bring in the, the, the Oak tree property, that acquisition that we had, uh, because we saw at the end of the year we had a lot of money left over in our surplus. And at that point, uh, we were just kind of looking for ideas of how to spend that money instead of giving it back to the people, you know, cutting them a check, right? That's their money. They should get it back. Um, and so we, we bought this, this property so quick. I think it was within 10 days, 15 days. Um, and we, we bought it without knowing what we are going to put in it. And while um, there's just been great ideas so far that, um, for the use of that building that I definitely support, you know, whether that be a new call center, library, what you name it, um, I just disagree with the process in which we used to, uh, to acquire that building there. There should have been more public input before we bought that property.
0: Okay. And and so this actually brings me to, uh, something that I was going to ask you about, you're bringing up the, the Oak street property. It's also, uh, some people in the county refer to it as the Himes Avenue property. Um, but it's, this is just for context. Uh, it's a 209,000 square foot facility currently used for COVID vaccine clinics the county council last year approved the $20 million purchase of this property. Uh, It's along Himes Avenue. It's a total of 26 acres. So this is including that, that facility. Mm. Um, The county purchased the property with intentions of accelerating large projects like building new County offices, relocating the nine one one call center and there, and potentially adding a library to the West side of the city. Um, So I I hear where you stand on how the process went, but what do you think should be um, the property should be used for?
1: I that that the, uh, the ideas that we've had brought up so far, I think, are great, right? So, um in different county offices, you name it. The, the, I think the 911 center is much needed. Um, we need to upgrade our 911 center. I think that's a great property for it. Um, and we, we've heard talks of a library in some part of that uh, that building. And I, I, w- I would definitely support that if they move in that direction.
0: What would you have done differently
1: um, with the process that the county went through to purchase? Right, this right, right. So, um I mean, they brought this up in a meeting, and the next meeting they bought it right and so when we give ten days twelve days notice on a twenty million dollar you know purchase that's a that's a big deal, and I fear that we didn't really have enough public input on this um again, I just fear that we might may we may have moved too quick in the process while i no, and, and hindsight is 2020. So I, I'm, I'm glad that we bought the property. I just didn't like that we bought the property with no idea of what we're going to do with it. We had sort of we had ideas, but nothing was set in stone yet. And so we, we ran the risk of, of wasting $20 million, right? Switching gears a little bit
0: here. Uh, s- since July, the council has been holding meetings about the Sugarloaf Treasured Landscape Management Plan. Mm. It's a plan to preserve Sugarloaf Mountain and the area surrounding it. It's the first area plan that is part of the larger Livable Frederick Master Plan, which the county passed in 2019 to guide development and preservation. If you were a member of the council, would you vote to approve the Sugarloaf Plan, and why or why not?
1: So I I believe in keeping the Sugarloaf area scenic. right? It's it's part of that heritage that Frederick County has, and I don't want uh, the county to lose its rural characteristic. Um, Because with with losing our rural characteristic and our rural nature, we lose part of our, our, our identity. As a community, and um, the the down zone from agricultural use to resource conservation would restrict uh, what people can do with their property, right? With RC, that's what that's resource conservation. Would this allow someone to develop their own land, right? So whether they want to build a new shed in their backyard, a new driveway on their own property, and and, and little projects like that, they wouldn't be able to do. And so I think this is a um, this is a matter of property rights. And so I, I fear that we may be moving in the wrong direction here with our Sugarloaf plan. So I, I wouldn't be sold quite yet on Sugarloaf.
0: Are there specific changes that uh, you would look to make, certain amendments you would want to propose, or or even like amendments that have been proposed by council members in the past few weeks that you would look right, to support? Right, right.
1: I, I would like to keep the I-270 boundary for development.
0: Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Can you explain that a little more to me?
1: Yeah. So, so uh, the I-270 has been the boundary for development for um, ever. Frankly, and so um, right now, I think that Sugarloaf, that plan there, kind of threatens that um, threatens that boundary. I think we, we've had a council member um, amend Sugarloaf to or we'll make a change to Sugarloaf, which would push that boundary past 270, and it would bring more uh, development closer to Sugarloaf Hill or Sugarloaf Mountain, excuse me. Um, and I, I just wouldn't really uh, support that movement there.
0: Okay, and the amendment, uh, if if it's one that I'm thinking of, is from Councilmember Dacey, looking to, it, it would, put it would let's see, it would exempt like f- roughly 500 acres west of of I two seventy, so that the eastern boundary of the sugarloaf plant wouldn't completely follow the interstate. Um, I mean, so would you be willing to vote
1: against Councilman Dacey and a member of of your party on the council? You know, when we when we get to the county government, it's not super partisan. Right. I mean we have seen over the last um you know last four years we've seen seven oh votes, six one votes. I mean pretty frequently. And I mean a few of those votes should not have been seven zero, I'll tell you. Um but um I would need some convincing for, from Councilman Dacey. And I I I talked to him about it before. This is this is not shouldn't be a surprise to him. Uh
0: the county has begun. Meeting with community members about the next regional plan, too, uh, the next regional plan in the livable Frederick Master Plan. This one's called the South Frederick Corridors Plan. Uh, the plan will examine an area south of Frederick along Maryland 355, Urbana Pike, and Maryland 85, Buckystown Pike. Uh, and it's the second most economically significant region of the county, mm. only to Frederick City. Right. Goals for the plan include reinforcing and creative creating economic strengths and assets, supporting existing business and industries, and fostering innovation and opportunity. That's from the plan documents. Mm-hmm. How can the county improve its public process for this
1: plan compared to the process it had for the Sugarloaf plan? Right, yeah. Sugarloaf um, has not been great, of course. We, we, we have five-and-a-half-hour, five-hour, four-hour um, you know, public hearings on on Sugarloaf, so obviously something is not really going right, you know, you have testimony um, left and right about how Sugarloaf wasn't handled the right way, and so I think that there needs to be more public input, and I think that um, the county needs to do a better job on um, on advertising these things earlier on, because I think that too often um, we, we've seen this on the board of that multiple times, and in different parts of the, of the county government, uh, where something comes to the council or the board of education—it's um, kind of a little, maybe maybe a little more more controversial—and um, then it gets passed, and then people don't hear about it until after it gets passed, right? And so I think that we have, uh, as, a, as a county county government, have a duty to do better when it comes to advertising and promoting some of these issues that come across our county.
0: Is there a way to, because it, 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 and the council the council members in the county will tell you that they. Reached out to people. They mm. made this public, right? Um, and they tried to involve people. But I think sometimes it seems like sometimes uh, constituents and members of the public, for whatever reason, the word doesn't reach them. Mm. Um, is there a way to reach out to people who have maybe traditionally or historically not been tuned into to these county government functionings? Right.
1: So, um, I think the problem that some of our some of the things we've run into is that we tried to go into the political sphere already, right? So, so we. We only scratch the surface of our, of our population by, uh, you know, going to different events, sort of, you know, our, our Republican club, our Democrat club, people that are already paying attention to our county government. And so that's why it's so important to have um, people on our council go into different community events and talk, and, and start this conversation. Uh, you know, I, I've i been to um, different community fairs throughout the county, and I'm trying to you know, start the conversation. It's not, it's not only a political event, but you need to start that conversation with people that may not really be... Um, Completely in tune or or involved in politics, and so I think that reaching out to people who haven't been reached out to before is going to be a huge deal for us in the next council. Because those are the ones that are coming to our council and they're finally actually getting involved now because they feel as though um, their property rights are being stripped from. We we're talking about sugarloaf, um, and so and that we need to get as many people involved in our county government as possible, and that that, that begins by going into our um, our small municipalities in every corner of our county. Uh, to make sure that everyone's accounted for. Uh, is there something specific that you would seek to do toward that end? Yeah, yeah, I mean, I, I'm not very shy. I think people, people will tell you that I'm not very shy. And so I'll, I'll go to any event, anywhere, um, and I'll, I'll start talking about what's happening on our council. I, I want people to get involved, right? And so um, that, that's that's part of the reason why I'm running this campaign is because I want people to get involved, right? And so I've started to reach out to, to my uh, my base, which is our, our younger people, and try to get them involved in politics. And um, at, a, at a large scale, we've seen that happen in my in my district, at least. Uh, and so I'm ready to be the change. I'm ready to get out and get to work, whether it be making phone calls, making texts, uh, even knocking doors for different things on, that come across our county government to make sure that people are, are involved, people know what's going on, and then the people can come to Winchester to Hall or call into the meetings and make their voice heard. Can you talk to me about uh, what got you into politics? Yeah, so um, I don't come from a political family, okay. right? And so um, um, I like my I like when my family comes with me to different events, just because I like to them to meet everybody, because so they they hear all the stories about different people, and so I like to introduce them to everybody. So then everybody asks, you know, maybe my mom or my dad, they say, oh, you know, how did you get them to do it, right? And uh, they'll they'll tell you that you know we didn't do anything, right? So um, I didn't come from a political family. My mom she voted when she was first eligible when she was eighteen years old and she didn't vote again until twenty twenty. And um my father, I'm sure he's only voted a handful of times, but um politics was not really um spoken at the dinner table per se, you know. Um but just as growing up in, in, in Walkersville and I go through the whole feeder system, starting at Glee Elementary School, ending at Walkersville High School. Um I didn't really get involved until I I myself, um got an inside look at our county government when I started writing for a newspaper. The Voice for Times has since been rebranded and sold. Um, and it, it, it was then when I was able to do a deep dive into different uh, bills, interview candidates and interview elected officials, where I began to question the effectiveness of our county government. And that really spurred me to to look deeper into it. And while I didn't really see myself ever running for office, I saw myself more as behind the scenes as I was a I was a campaign manager in the city of Frederick and I thought that you know that was a good place for me. Uh but I felt as though it was the right time. And I, I, I put my hat in the ring. And I I
0: know you said previously that you were inspired by figures like uh former County Commissioner Kirby Delauder. Correct. Um who was also part of the, the first county council mm-hmm. and um and former President Donald Trump. Can you right. talk to me a little bit about that? Uh what you saw in those people that you would like to replicate?
1: Yeah, so um they brought a new brand of politics, and I, I made the mistake of of saying that uh, Kirby was Ferdinand's kind as Donald Trump. He made sure to out to me and said I was Donald Trump way before Donald Trump was was, was himself. So, um, but I like I like their brand of, of politics and how um, you never you, you you always knew what they were thinking, right? They didn't hold back, and so um, they were vocal leaders for the party. And I think that's something that we're lacking right now in our county council and, our, and just our county government in general. Is that the Republicans don't have a, a, a vocal leader, and um, we need someone who's who's not afraid to, you know, maybe get in a little trouble right with the with the media. We we, we don't need people that are too afraid to make real change. And so, um, I, I'm I'm ready to to bring that Spitfire to Frederick County. And what do you think that would look like? Um, for example, during council meetings, right? You know, it, it's it's making your voice heard. I think that some councilmen are too quiet at meetings. Right. They don't really explain their vote as much or they don't defend their position. Um, and I think that every single councilman ought to speak before they vote. I think that every single councilman ought to defend their why they're voting that way. And uh, we, we saw that with Cribber with Lauder. He was never shy to tell you how he felt about certain issues and why he voted on a certain bill. Uh, I will tell you that Councilman Stephen K. Has done a great job of, um, of explaining his vote, whether it be at the council meeting itself or online afterwards. Uh, and I would like to duplicate that, in in, in, a, in a very similar manner, uh, because people ought to know why you're voting some way or the other way, and uh, I look forward to doing just that.
0: So you're 18 years old, and right. you you just graduated from Walkersville High School in May. Uh, Council Vice President Michael Blue, whom you defeated in the July primary, has endorsed your Democratic opponent, Juliana Lufkin, and said Mm -hmm. you are too young to handle the responsibilities of being a a council member. Um, I mean, how do you
1: respond to that? You know, um, well, first I'm going to say that, you know, Mike's his own person, as I said, before he can endorse who he wants to endorse. But it doesn't really change our campaign. But since before it was born, we've elected candidates nationwide, statewide, and countywide that have made the same promises, campaigned on the same issues, and yet here we are in a worse position than we were before. And so It's going to take fresh energy and a new face to create real change. And uh, that's, that's why I sit with you today. That's why this whole campaign began, because Frederick County um, wants to be provided with different energy, a new face, and a fresh start. Do you think they're – I mean, how young is too young to be uh, an elected official, do you think? Well, I guess I'd be 18 to run for office, so I guess 18. I mean, anything younger than 18 might be, might be too young, right? As long as the Board of Elections let me run, I don't think you can be too young.
0: What else do you hope to accomplish in a in a four-year
1: term on the council? Um, You know, it all comes back to why I started running, right? I'll start back um, making Frederick County a better place for families. I mean, I, I want to lead the council. Let that be after one term, two terms, you know, We'll, we'll figure that out when we get there but I want to be able to leave the council um being able to raise a family right and so after my four year term i'll be twenty two if my if I choose to do a second term i'll be twenty six and so i mean between those 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 times at any moment um i could be i could be getting married i could be having a kid um if I'm so blessed to have a kid that is um and I just want to be able to leave the council, uh, feeling comfortable to raise a child. If I can, if I can do that, I'll count my term, my two terms as as a success.
0: All right. Well, Mason, thank you for coming into the newsroom and joining me
1: in the booth. All right. Thank you so much, Jack.